Episode 22 of Honestly Unbalanced, and we're chatting to one of London's most popular yoga teachers, Marcus Vader. Marcus has quite an interesting background. He's got a degree in philosophy, but then spent years living the dream, touring the world, DJing, part of a band, editing, remixing, recording, but then found yoga due to injuries. Uh, since then, he's gone on to write two books on yoga with Hannah Whittingham. One is called Greed, Sex and Intention, Living Like a Yogi in the 21st Century. And How to Win at Yoga is a second book. He's created the Good Life Yoga School in London and also the Dead Yogis Society. Give them a little Google. Uh, Marcus's teaching style uh, incorporates music, but not in the way that he just kind of plays music as part of class. Music becomes a real fundamental part of the practice itself so enjoy the convo guys and if you get to come to london check out marcus's class whether you're practicing at home or back in studios you probably want your own mat and why not choose the best mat for me that is a life form mat i've used them forever it seems Uh, and with code the hustlers you get 10 percent off and we get a little kickback so head to the website lifeform and use that code Honestly unbalanced. Actually, I, I read somewhere that you said that Phoenix, is, which is an amazing name, by the way, has provided you with some real life advanced yoga lessons. So maybe we start there. Uh, yeah, well, I suppose it's that you think you've got it sorted until you actually become a parent and realise <laughs> that you haven't got any of it sorted. Yeah, I think you, you get to know yourself because you're challenged yeah daily or not even daily by the minute you're being challenged so all the sort of stuff that we do in yoga to make sure you've you've got it you've got you you know yourself and and you're sorted and everything's great and equanimity has been arrived at and everything and then and then the kid is just just challenging you all the time not even like they are you're not there's not old enough yet to be challenging me in any kind of verbal way it's it's just you're just dealing with stuff. It's not about you anymore. Everything you're doing is like 100% for another living thing, which at first you've just got to keep alive. Then once you're pretty <laughs> cure in the idea that they're, they are alive and they're going to carry on living sort of without you holding on to them for every moment, then it's like just everything you do, you're, you're thinking that you've got to feed them at the right time and, and, check out what they're doing and you don't sleep until they sleep and then when they wake up you're woken up and all your plans will change according to what they decide so so it's like you think you think you're good and then it's I suppose it's the same way as the relationship challenges you that's like one level then you have to deal with your stuff and then the kid is like next level can't wait Has (laughs) has it made you then want to like work harder to provide or has it made you think actually want to work less to be around work less that de- i think definitely that was that that was the kind of when when covid came around actually that like doubled down on that i think that you realize that you don't you think are oh, you going to need so much more money to provide and everything and then it turns out that it's not really much more expensive once you've borrowed all the stuff you get off everyone else has already bought it before <laughs> you don't have to buy loads of stuff and then don't eat loads of food it's just a question of you want to be there a lot more and every time you're working it's taking you away yeah. so 
I think I, I went for the working less option. And do you think the yoga practice has put you in much better stead to deal with all the challenges? Yeah, uh, it sets you up in a way. Yes, it definitely. It's like the beginner kind of level. The yoga kind of has got you going. All the stuff you say as a teacher, yeah. then actually it's like, oh, now you've actually got to really do it. So I yeah. think that the, the yoga practice, it's like all the things, as I said before, you thought were sorted. You are... You're, you're now doing all the stuff, yeah. the real the real patience is coming, the compassion, the proper observation of yourself and your reactions to things that are happening, all the stuff you were supposed to be doing in the pose yeah. and you did every now and then and then forgot what you were really doing there and now it's like you're doing it, now wow. you're really doing it. It's like you're practicing for the ultimate test off the mat. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. Should we talk about how your journey with yoga started then going back? Because I think you said that it came from injuries initially, isn't it? Like so many people do, they get into yoga because of uh, uh, yeah injuries. Is that that's how it started for you, right? Yeah, I think originally, um, yeah, just like everyone seemed to, when I was first coming to yoga, everyone's story seemed to be the same way. It was like martial arts and football. And, and because I was getting older at the time I started, I just wasn't healing from the injuries that I used to bounce back from mm. all the time. And then I had one real lingering kind of ankle injury, which I'd kind of rolled it on stage with the loose cannons and then rolled it twice playing football. And in the end, this, this ankle was just done for. And then someone, I, the physio wasn't really, nothing was kind of fixing it to the degree that I wanted to be able to run and on it and everything and then someone suggested which was actually lolo lamb oh, yeah. who uh, was said uh try yoga because it's kind of a holistic it was like the whole body and mind it was kind of curing everything rather than just trying to do physio mm. on my ankle and uh and i got into that and in the end i did end up getting better probably just because other things were strengthening and i gave it time and it yeah. and it worked out and then then of course, once you've started it, you forget why you really started it. If you get hooked into it, it's yeah. just like, what ankle? Yeah. yeah. So what were, you, what were you hooked into initially? Was it the, the rocket from the offset? Was it Ashtanga with Lolo? Yeah, well, I kind of did the thing, I suppose I started in London and did every intro deal. Oh yes. And every studio. As we so all do. Like, <laughs> basically do everything you could and then, then do the next 20 pound deal at the next place. So I pretty much did all of the vinyasa kind of styles with as many teachers as I could, but it was Rocket that I originally found at some at the yoga people's home studio, which was just down in Wandsworth where I was living, like in their house, just illegally teaching out of their house, <laughs> health and safety. I think Not- they said that they had people, they had so many people in their lounge at one point that there were actually people in the wardrobe practicing. I remember uh, Dulcie saying that. <laughs> Like the hallway in the kitchen. I would definitely, if you got there late, you were in the kitchen. <laughs> and most people were in the like the living room bit. And there was like a living room with French windows all the way along. And they'd encourage people to just kick up to, and it's handstand time. And people no. were like hitting the French <gasps> windows and they were rattling. Oh my and it was, God. I mean, God. There were so many tax implications oh, of that. Here we go, Mr. Logistics. <laughs> <laughs> and well, that's they, that that's kind of i guess is that so that's that kind of kind of underground nature of it and i guess the way you teach now to a degree although you're teaching in big studios it's kind of like an underground element to it like a rebellious element to it do you think 
that's kind of part of your success as well. The fact it's always been not not naughty, not naughty to practice with Marcus, but you know, even like it's a bit of a rebel. <laughs> do you think that vibe has helped you grow as a teacher, and you got that from the beginning? I think I didn't consciously think about it that way. I think that just doing yoga at all as a kind of as a bloke when I started felt mm. felt rebellious enough, <laughs> and so like just being there kind of doing all that sort of stuff was different. I suppose the musical aspect was something that I was bringing in from the beginning. So it, it might've been slightly different, but I, I don't think that it was actually that their studio, the idea that it was so underground and that it was like a speakeasy yoga thing necessarily was what appealed. It sounds good on reflection, but actually it was just, you know, what's nearby they came up on Google first and mm. it was just pure luck. And then you sit in, you start doing that and you think this is the way it is. And and you don't really know that actually that was before, to be honest, that I'd got to all the London studios. It was, I just thought that that's, you find a teacher teaching out of their living room and that's how it works. Mm. So I suppose then, and then that translated into when I was doing it, I just did what they did and then, added my own thing to it so it might have been different i didn't really know any 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 other way i suppose and did they use music or was music something that you decided to bring into it at that point it, no not really actually they used to play like music along but it was much more just there was music there maybe sometimes there wasn't it wasn't about music for mm. them that was just I, it had to be for me because i was still djing at the time mm. and and yeah, and and producing Vanquish at the time. This, well, I, I was, do you know, I was wondering if this was going to come up, but obviously it was. So for everyone listening, I met Marcus because he was uh, my producer when I was in a girl band, and um, and I think I met you just as you were sort of coming into yoga. And I remember all the girls we kept coming into your flat, and be like, "Oh, Marcus is ordering all like this organic fruit in from God knows where, and he's doing all his meditation." We thought you were a bit of a weirdo, but now I get it. Now I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So basically, it was it. So I started off doing this kind of weird esoteric thing on the side, and was still producing like you guys and DJing as a main job. So into the yoga thing. So I, when I started teaching, I had to have music yeah. as part of it because it was, it's, it's quite, it's handy for me. I use it a lot more to help my teaching and to help keep my pace and everything, mm. and and always. I, I feel quite naked out there without kind of my backing band on. So I've never been like the lead singer. So I don't know how you guys would get up there. And it's quite hard to be a teacher if you're not used to public speaking or being up there in front of yeah. people without and just hearing the sound of your own voice and nothingness. It's uh, It can be terrifying. Have, so I think, have, Chris, yeah. Have you ever done that actually out of interest? Have you ever taught or had to teach a class where you haven't had your safety blanket oh, yeah. as it were yeah because technically things go wrong yeah. either you're teaching outdoors sometimes at festivals or teaching in studios where the, the the sound's not working or teaching in zoom which is just like freakishly weird when that all started off because there's not even the sound of anybody else in the room there's just mm. nothing but just your four walls shouting silence at you so <laughs> i've done it without and uh, I, I hate it, but 
it it's it's good for your it's good for your teaching obviously to be able to not rely on the crutch which i so heavily do <laughs> but i think it's less it's less of a crutch i think well obviously of course the way you use it massively benefits your students mm. you're not just playing a playlist randomly you, you know, there's so much more thought into the way that you create it but as you say i think for a lot of teachers it's one of a few possible comfort blankets when you start like having music kind of again softens the exposure yeah i think perhaps maybe like assisting a lot as a new teacher can make you feel less exposed because you're less at the front or demoing a lot at the front can make you feel perhaps less exposed. Uh, and I think for new teachers, it's almost like you do that to begin with, then hopefully you grow out of it, but then you go back into it in an informed way. Like good assisting is wonderful. Good demoing is really useful. Good music can really serve well, but it's like you need to look, like not do it, then start to do it again almost. I mean, that's that's totally it, which is why at the moment sort of wondering whether we'll be allowed to go back to do any kind of assisting and what it's going to be like for new teachers that are coming through yeah. now when you don't. Well, what do you do when you're when you're maybe teaching online and you, you can't you can't even demo so much if you're doing Zoom or maybe you can in the studios. But if you're doing home Zoom, you can't really just demo and not really watch what's going on. So it's a, it's a brave new world. It would be horrible to be coming through as a teacher now, to be honest. I say to everyone on our training. <laughs> and what, do you, what, what kind of advice do you give them? Because the yoga world's changed since you started. Mm. You were the only guy in the studio. <laughs> the only male teacher. Doing that. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it had come round. Yeah, it felt like that at the time. Uh, I think at the moment for people, it was easy being, when you're the only one of something, you you that you you kind of stand out a little bit so at least people remember or recognize you and you're not just another person doing another thing yeah. but that doesn't matter so much as now for for newest student or teachers who are coming through is how do you navigate a world where all the really pro teachers don't even really know what they're doing mm. because nobody knows what they're doing and everyone's learning right now and it's a it's probably a great way to come through we're all it's the great level of where everyone's kind of everyone's a brand new teacher really at the moment mm. so you come out there you you haven't taught your thousands of hours but no one's done that much teaching of thousands of hours on zoom yet so in a way it's brought people back to starting from a similar place but and do you think as well it's made people think do i want to be a teacher like in a good way like do i actually want to be a teacher or do i want the lifestyle of the teacher because the lifestyle of a teacher has changed dramatically. <laughs> so I guess it's making people question a little bit the, the true motives behind mm. why they might be doing a training. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I suppose the whole lifestyle of a teacher thing, though, was what you might think it is if you start becoming a teacher. You, certain you should learn in the training that it was never like you thought it was. I think yeah. it's never, it's no way, you know, glamorous or there's not so much freedom and you are, it's in some ways you're just you're always part of the political system that is the studios and getting a job it's just another job and it always was so now it's just it's just another not job because it's even harder to go out there you're not going out i yeah. suppose now you're starting you're just staying in you're yeah. staying in to teach you won't be running around london like i used to do, go northwest south and east every day just yeah. like to get one class to the next like sweating around 
I don't suppose you can't do that anymore. There aren't. I'm just, no- I'm, you, you can. <laughs> I'm doing it. Adam's back. It's, it's back it's on killing it. me. <laughs> I feel really? like you, I feel like you love it. You'd not. You must be going to one part of London, or you go. From- no, no. Like on, I, I'm literally like on a. What day is it? So yesterday, I was from Highgate to Kensington, Kensington to Shoreditch, Shoreditch to Camden, Camden to Soho, Soho back home. <laughs> Whoa! But that is not like it's not practical, and actually financially, it's not the best thing in the world. But then mean- that's, so it's really changing the landscape. Yeah, in this day and age, it's it's hardly even worth going to half of the studios. It seems well, to, to like, but it, uh, well, it would feel like I I now only teach in one studio ten minutes down the road from mm. me. Now I'm only in like Shoreditch. Um, I just couldn't handle all of that going so far anymore. But also, I stopped traveling myself as it was before that the whole COVID thing. Um, I'm amazed that you still go out there and do all of that. So much of it. You wait. You wait till you have that kid. You'll be like, nah, <laughs> it's all going to change. <laughs> and barely leave the house. I will be going to my local. I'll be going to my living room to do Zoom, and that's it. How has how has your kind of your goals or what wealth is to you changed? Because of course, a kid changed everything for you. But before, I guess, child, what was your like, what did you want? out of kind of career mm. but what was wealth for you i guess you weren't in it just for the yoga money <laughs> <laughs> or at all yeah. for the money <laughs> in i think it was the continuation of always you've you got to pay the bills but to be doing something that you actually love doing that doesn't feel like a job and luckily i'd come from djing which was always just playing music which wasn't which never really a job and producing music which i would do in my spare time i would do it as a hobby it was a hobby and then when you got paid for it it was such a bonus so segueing into yoga and actually it was something where i just loved doing the practice myself mm. and then it's just sharing with other people the practice teaching has never been even when it's really hard work once you're at you the the hour or the hour and a half you're doing it it's not work the mm. work was traveling to the studio and leaving it and stuff so the idea of wealth was that each time you got paid anything you know that was that was worth your time doing it was great and then you just at the beginning you're teaching all the time so you're you're amassing this huge wealth on like 30 pounds an hour or whatever it is and and it's obviously not financially huge but you feel once you're paying the bills from yoga and that did happen fairly soon it's like, oh, this could be good. And it'll probably just keep on building. You know, you get, I, I wanted to have a studio one day. That was the dream until I saw the effort. Mm. What it did. Oh, really? And I was like, nah, no thanks to that. Yeah. And so you just want to be able to get to a place where I suppose either you move into trainings or whatever it is so that you can maximize. I always remember that, that I think you guys... It, you and Celeste and everyone talking about um, what is it when you get paid for doing something when you're not there? What's that phrase? Passive, in- oh, yeah, passive, passive income. income. Passive income. That's yeah. it. I was like, that's it. That's the key, isn't it? Yeah. Get, get passive income kind of lifestyle. I haven't managed it yet. Making like, money when you're asleep, basically. Making money. That was all the dream in, in always producing. Like even when we were producing you guys was that you always want to be Dr. Dre, that someday you were like so famous that you could just have other people that would do it and you'd put your name to it. I yeah. always thought 
dream one day is to be a yoga teacher who just <laughs> it doesn't do any go up just it's just like people sell practice <laughs> under the vibe that you might have brought them <laughs> <laughs> okay. there, were, there were definitely like there's very few teachers that can do that like i know like someone like dylan werner or you know some of the teachers like on yoga glow not yoga mm. glow yeah yoga glow and what's the other one the aloe one mm. Yeah. They can make passive income, but only because the platforms are so big and their reputation is so big. And I guess that's going to get increasingly hard for teachers that aren't so famous or aren't so active. Because in, although I think like at the moment, you know, people can make the most of the online stuff. Eventually, especially with kind of an economic downturn, people are going to think, OK, what actually is financially the best way for me to spend my money on online yoga and unfortunately often it's a bigger platforms mm. Mm, and yeah. it's, so it's really and, and so i think that as is as most of the economies are kind of developing the people that have money will make more money <laughs> and the people that don't have money are going to really struggle i think the key yeah. is to find lots of different ways to do things that you love and lots of different income streams and put your eggs in lots of different baskets <laughs> maybe <laughs> who knows is there anything you're trying to cultivate are there more books being written um, I think well, at the moment it's the teacher training, just trying to keep trainings alive post post COVID is mm. you know, it's been such a nightmare trying to get venues with social distancing. And, you know, we have to now teach in a sort of club in a shortage, a place that used to be hired out for, you know, it's, it's a nightclub basically. And just so that you can have people you know, two meters apart while training and stuff like that, the, the, the logistics of just keeping those trainings alive has meant that thinking about diversifying at this point, it's it's gone the other way. It's like, okay, focus on the few eggs in the basket that you really want to be doing because mm. I can't handle too many eggs yeah. at the moment. Fair. Do you, do you miss the energy of teaching in front of a room full of people, actually real life people? Yes. Because I know yeah. that's, that's what you're all about, isn't it? I think that yeah, the energy. I, and I'm... Yeah, it's real tough at the moment going back to studios and they're on like a, qu a fifth of the capacity in, in, in the room or something, a yeah. quarter max. And there's just, I miss the sound of people, just people. You don't, there's, there's a feeling to being in a room with actual people. And at the moment, it's so quiet that you could be, you could be in the room next door. There's a few people around and stuff, but it doesn't feel... You're not coming there for the the energetics of it. I don't think it's mm. it's a different beast at the moment. And so and until the social distancing at least drops down to a meter or something, I, this is this is a, a struggle for sure. Yeah, and it's really hard to know what to do as teachers, isn't it? Because part of you wants to support the studio to help it back to get the yeah. numbers up, but at the same time, it is so draining both financially and energy wise. But on happier yeah. notes, like yeah. you created. You kind of created uh, a really good name for yourself and people kind of know what to identify. Like a Marcus Vader class is this type of class and they know what to expect and people go there for the vibe and you've always got waiting lists in your classes. And it's like, uh, you know, for the people that love you, it's like an event getting to your mm. class, it seems. Like, how do you think you, you cultivated that style that lends itself to that? And did you actively do anything beyond create an amazing class to, to build that? It, yeah, yeah, it wasn't really a conscious thing to try and create anything beyond just always my teachers would say, you know, 
practice what you teach and teach what you practice, that kind of thing. And you just, just doing exactly what I love doing myself in my practice is exactly the same as then I just go and teach it and mm -hmm. I teach what I'm practicing that week. And that sort of vibe is that I suppose I hate the word authentic, <laughs> the yoga, but in a, it, but it is in a, in that way of being authentic. It's, it's, if you're really feeling it yourself, I think that translates to other people at some point because the people who don't feel it, they don't come back, but enough people feel, can feel, they get the connection through, I suppose it's like when you go to a gig and stuff and you see a live band, when you're, when you're really, you're feeling it is when you think that they're really feeling it. And mm. I think that kind of comes across, if anything, and you can't, well, you can fake that actually. Some days, that's the point, you have to fake it as a teacher. But when enough of the time you are genuinely into what you're doing, I think and hope that that comes across. And I think that's the only thing that really people can tap into because, you know, they're not coming for necessarily the music or necessarily the sequence, although having a sequence that you can fall back on that you know works means that you don't have to second guess yourself so much because I think that's one of the problems from, for, for newer teachers. If you're sort of doing creative vinyasa, you've got to be really sure. You've got to have a structure. And if you don't have a structure which you stick to, you can go off the rails and you won't even know that mm. you've, you've left. So I think for, for people and for myself, it certainly works. Having music set at a tempo, so I always know what tempo it is, even if I'm nervous and going faster, I know where I should be. And having the structure, I basically teach the same sort of thing every single day, always. I miss your classes now that you're talking about them. You were my first, well, no, I think you were my second ever yoga class, but I discount the first one because it was so awful. Um, so I'm glad I, you made me come along because I might not have gotten back into yoga. So I've got uh, got you to thank for that. But um, yeah, the the way that you move and breathe with the music, being a musician as well, I really I love that. And I, it's still quite niche. I've never been to anyone else's class that actually does that the way you do it. So I'm coming back. I think it's because a lot of people don't have that extra skill. Yeah, and I think that's really important. Is no matter how what good training you've been on, like it's, you know, someone could do a 200 hour training for four weeks or whatever. But the good teacher, the people that bring other skills to the yeah. table. Sometimes it is just natural ability and charisma and ability to communicate things. But there's other skills at play, whether that be marketing skills or whether that be teaching skills yeah. or like skills with music and beat. That's, I think, what makes a good teacher, isn't it? Yeah, I think I mean, that's so right. In our, like, in our trainings, that's we definitely come to that point. You know, what other things do you enjoy just doing and what what are you good at but not in a job interview kind of way? What do you enjoy doing while you're doing it and that come across and is there any way that you can bring that into what you do like you say from from if you really enjoy social media then that can become really useful for you as a teacher or if you really enjoy music then that can come in or in anything that you love doing it can add something because yoga teaching itself if you're not connecting in any way or you're not loving the thing it can be quite a staid sort of stagnant thing sometimes you'll go to classes and you just feel there's nothing there's nothing really happening here i may as well just be doing this to a recording you know or there's this parroting there's yoga voice and people just parroting their teachers without thought about what they're actually saying yeah yeah which 
you know, which comes through, it's often you hear people that the cues are things that you've heard being said so many times that you're mm. thinking, uh, are they even really good? You about <laughs> what 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 you're saying is that is that what you really want someone to do or open, what? The, open the feet like the pages of a book i knew you were gonna uh, say that one. I, hate that one I knew that was in your head you uh, said it yank on your ligaments <laughs> as hard as you can regardless of what you're oh here we go no okay <laughs> well exactly that i mean that i mean you must know it's so hard to go there aren't many classes that you can go to where you don't spend the time sort of maybe wincing at at cues or being told what mm. to do if you are quite into the the say the biomechanic sides of it or the the, the health the health health of yeah. your limb or actual physical well-being yeah. and if you're neurotic <laughs> but do you know what i sometimes you go to a class and you think it's it's awful or whatever but i think you learn so much from those classes and those teachers as well about the how teacher you... learns I, I always give good feedback like, I'm oh no my god <laughs> you write notes at the end i don't let adam come to my classes for that reason well i mean it doesn't have to be you don't i don't want to hear alignment cues a lot of the time you'll go to something and it's all about the vibe and whatever yeah. flow. it doesn't have to be about what kind of cues there were it's just that when you hear the same kind of things coming up again. If it's, you know, the old two panes of glass thing that, you, that <laughs> it's like become a famous known <laughs> yoga doing triangle between two panes of glass type thing because it wrecks your hips. Mm. And you, you, but you'll hear stuff like that trotted out and, and, then, and then you're in that zone where you're like, oh God, no, you're worried about the safety of everyone around you. Is that mm. like you're saying as a neurotic yoga teacher going in and thinking, oh, you, oh, don't do that, don't do that. Don't bring your shoulders down when your arms are above your head because I can hear Jason Crandall saying no and we're all <laughs> going no and it's like, you're all going to be injured. You're all going to die now. <laughs> <laughs> One thing you said there, like a little bit earlier, was you said, you know, it won't vibe with some people and like they won't come back. And actually I think it's really important that you don't need to be like everything to everyone. There's enough bloody teachers out there now that you can find your niche and kind of roll with it. Like when you first started teaching, was there resistance in the traditional yoga world of like the music and the I guess the rocket yoga wasn't as mainstream, like as popular then? Like, did you have resistance? Well, luckily, no, because I came in through play frame and stuff out, which was a dance and yoga mm. studio, and and. Yotopia in Covent Garden, where where the then the the boss there at the time, Lisa was was actually really just liked what I was doing when I did an audition, and we were open minded. So I wasn't having to deal with. I hadn't come across. You know, I wasn't ready to approach the big studios or anything. So I think once you've established, you've got in in the more boutiquey say studios, and you're you're being supported in what you do. You're not coming up against the naysayers. You know, there's much more of that now, but it doesn't matter now because as you say, I know that you, you can't please everyone and you've got to, you know, it's the old sieve technique. You're, there's going to be a whole lot of sand pouring down through that, that sieve because people are coming for all sorts of different things. It's just a question of being able to handle that. You know, your ego is going to take a few hits the first time someone walks out of your class, as we always say, is, is it can be like, oh no, what have I done? Was I not good enough? And you have all that concern. And now, you know, someone probably is going to walk out of my class every time, at least one, and, and it's two 
or three if it's a good day you know people there's enough people leaving to let you know that you're doing something right because it's at least they're not kind of you either it's better kind of love or hate it and if it's not for them good then go and find something that is because like there's plenty like you say out there for everyone you just got to be able to get up again and not take it personally because it's rejection at the end of the day and we all suffer even us mighty yoga teachers can feel the bite do you, do you still suffer with rejection or do you think you're over it now i think i've had so much rejection in my yoga teaching career that in a nice way it's like i can feel it but i don't feel it as hard or for as long it happens in in the moment and and you have to be like i know this works for a whole load of other people so mm. for some you you you've got to hope that some it can't work for everyone it's impossible yeah. for it it would be a bit weird it'd be like being the lighthouse family or something <laughs> and there must be a, a more <laughs> an idea of music that you know they pleased a lot of people in the middle ground but most people either hated it silently and no one really loved the lighthouse family it was like it was just middle of the road radio two and but it pleased the people i would rather be at the the marmite end top or bottom than be the lighthouse family that is the best analogy ever i love that I, yeah that's so true but i don't love them even or that hate song them. that's that famous it one it stays that we are gonna be, be forever and it, it never goes anywhere and it just stays actually even the song stays in the middle that's so true the, the song's some there's up. no arc in that in no it, arc sod yeah. them they are not a yoga journey you, you, you played them in class at all <laughs> with the lighthouse <laughs> heard it recently they did a sort of comeback 90s comeback tour and they sound exactly the same and i thought oh yeah i know more of your songs than i realize and i'm not i'm not an angry teenager anymore so i sort of I'm, i've i've allowed the lighthouse family back into my heart in a sort of distant way the light's coming back it's a sign <laughs> yeah <laughs> so how what is, what have been your strategies for coping with just the hard, the hard stuff, the hard stuff in yoga career, the rejection, the hustling, the time, like, I guess, like, and sacrifices you've had to make beyond the financial? Uh, I think, yeah, the, I don't know if there are so many sacrifices as when I was lucky enough in the beginning, you know, you were, you plan, you're going to keep your normal job and, and do teaching until the, the point where, you can get enough money or enough classes so that you can pay the bills. And the, the classes luckily kind of came from one or two studios enough that within six months I could give up the other job. So, but the, the, the struggle all the way through dealing with the kind of, the, there's always, you know, you, you have to do auditions that are even worse nowadays. I mean, I'd hate to do the auditions that you have to do now, mm. that 10 minutes as part of somebody else's class sounds terrifying mm. to me. And I probably wouldn't get, I was just lucky to have got in before that became a thing, I think. So, but you always had to do auditions. You just had to do 10 minutes of teaching to it's like a studio manager, just 10 minutes of your sequence. And that was horrible. And doing all those kind of auditions, I think, oh, I mean, the first year of teaching is for me is the worst, yeah. definitely after that, things do get easier. The, the beginning, you've got to ride. It's a, it's a steep cliff, uh, you know, a cliff face that you're up against at the beginning, which I'm sure is why 
a lot of people just drop out as soon as you realize what you're dealing with. I think it's horrific that what you're coming up against mostly, especially the pressure of we come out of training and, and, and everyone's like, I don't, we're going to support each other and I love you and, and I'm going to come to your classes and we're going <laughs> to family and then it's like we're all going for the same job and then it's like backbiting and the truth of the yoga really comes out and the one love thing yeah doesn't exist it's it's dog eat dog and i think when you're when you're out there doing that you've got to realize you're kind of on your own in the world against everyone even though you come out with this you've been told it's yoga is just love we are all one yeah maybe not yeah and the, but the reality is of course you know we're living in cities where rent is expensive bills are expensive there aren't an infinite amount of studios that are willing to pay decent money or, or not not willing are able to pay a decent amount of money and it's, it's gonna have to to some degree not eat dog eat dog but we have there is inherent competition because people want that same bit of money and i've yeah. experienced loads of like backbiting and people saying like i've said things i'm like no one didn't say it. Number two, that isn't even true. Like, if, like that would have been a lie anyway. But I've had that all the way through. Uh, this is where the practice comes in, though. And that's it? yeah, that's where the practice. Compassion, yeah. yada yada yada. What about your co- um, your tools for balance? Then, if you know, if everything's sort of up in the air at the minute. Do you have time? Uh, you know, with having your son to actually even take a moment for yourself to practice or meditate, or what are your kind of tools for balance. yeah it's it's tough i try to have a daily meditation practice but that depends on them in the morning about, yeah. about you know how, whether that's happening or not i'd still get in uh, at least two or three full-on kind of hit the mat practices a week and so i think i can find the space but for for balance actually it's yeah managing you've got to have the support yeah of your of your partner as well to help you through being able to manage that sort of thing but i think that it's i'm okay where i am but like adam was saying then you know when you're out in the world you're still it's the constant kind of hustle that's that's the the hard thing and now that you're dealing with the differences of covid and everything it's you know that it's it's constantly it's it's a battle but it is for everyone. That's the thing that's so tough in London. Everyone, if you're lucky enough to still have a job, is still fighting. Everyone's fighting for their piece of the pie just mm-hmm. to be able to pay the rent. And I think all of that is so hard for everyone involved that we just have to realize that that's the same as it is in yoga. I think the balance you find is being able to step back from it and have a practice where you can let go of these ideas that 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 you've said stuff about people or people are ramping up on social media saying you said this or you shouldn't say this or all the kind of stuff that happens is it it will pass as everything Mm. will Mm. pass so it's being able to not get involved i found for myself is the big practice of stepping back and just not being just not even getting into the conversation a lot of the time you've just got to step back and take the you know the breath the cliched breath and have somewhere you can retreat to so you're not constantly jumping up for every fight that's Mm. being had i love that i think one of the best ways to be successful in london as a teacher is have like a really rich partner or or make a lot of money make a lot of money from something else first 
So you earn an interview I'm, I'm, I'm trying, Adam. I'm trying. What does <laughs> what does uh, what does success look like for you then? Looking forward, what does yeah, what does success look like for you? Um, I don't know that I'm even bothered about success anymore because that was something that was so important back in the music days. You know, success was everything in the in the music industry, and success was having people heard your music that's what you wanted for as many people as possible. So if it was anything like that, I think success would be have as many people have be touched by the practice as I bring it yeah. as possible out there at some point, even if they're not constantly uh, or consistently practicing with you, but to just reach as many people and bring a, like a moment of yoga and hope that you've been part of that. And then they're going to carry on and become, you know, world beaters, world <laughs> That's I love a good that. utilitarian answer. I love that. That's so nice. Should we finish with some? Yeah, quick let's do fires? some quick fire because then you've got babysit, not babysitting duties. You are. <laughs> He's a dad. He's got to pick up his kids. Yeah, got to pick up get your kids. Right. <laughs> so, what is? Is there anything that's still sacred to you? Like your time on the mat, the meditation, your time sorting out your moustache. Anything still sacred? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that. There is the time on the mat. Is there's kind of one my Monday, my practice on a Monday. There's there's a, like a couple of hours in the in the morning that at least that one. If I can just hold on to that and nothing else at all, then it's then everything else is going to be okay. Love that. Yeah. And can you leave us with a motto or a mantra that you live by or would like to share? Oof, a motto or a mantra. Um, I think <laughs> well, it used to be the kind of practice what you teach thing. And nowadays, I think recently it's, it's maybe just don't get involved. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Any, right, we'll do two more. Any book that you would gift people that isn't yoga related at all and isn't one that you've written, ideally? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, books are t- not yoga, not even slightly yoga related. But, but I, everything's yoga, isn't it? Really? <laughs> is, that, <laughs> is that so hard to to, to come away from the yoga vibe? I would sure. Or yeah. even okay, can I, we can angle it. What? Yeah. That's your background. What philosopher do you think people could, or philosophy? Or let's go philosopher. Do you think people would benefit most from reading who are involved in yoga? I think that, I mean, Animal Liberation by Peter Singer is quite an interesting one, but it's maybe quite obvious for lots of people that uh, are already that way thinking in the yoga world. So I would, I would say I'd like people to get into a bit of Nietzsche and maybe mm. like the genealogy of morals because, or, or Aristotle before him, the kind of, there's a, it's a lot more about virtues. You know, there, there's a lot of ethics in yoga. I think it's interesting that, like you were talking before, the utilitarian kind of pleasing the most amount of people vibe. I actually, generally, I'm kind of into the, the, the more Aristotelian or Nietzsche vibe of actually getting your virtues and what you believe and do sorted and not doing the right thing for the right reason rather than for the best outcome. 
It's a lot of homework for people right there. Right. Did you get that, everyone? <laughs> Write it down. That could be your kind of new thing. Yoga in churches with God is dead. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's neat, that's what neat, a place neat, to no, finish. God is dead. What, how, what does that go? The temples. Anyway. Temples are <laughs> but tombs. Shall we move on? Yeah, sorry. Where can we... Can you tell people where we can find you? Your Instagram, your website, your books? Yeah, Instagram. Uh, good Lord Vader. And... Uh, the website, everything else will be on marcusvaderyoga.com. Which looks really good. I went yeah. on the other way. It's really slick now. Yeah, I stalked it earlier. It it's nice. great. Someone, someone, it's brilliant. All the people that are kind of out of work at the beginning of hmm. COVID, tech, techie people are like, you know what? I'll help you just do your website. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> You're off if you want. And you've got a couple of books. Where can, what, what are they called? You can plug your books now. Uh, yeah. Um, what were the books that we did? Uh, Greed, Sex, Intention. Yeah. So that's like the modern update of the Yamas and the Niyamas, which, um, which is fun. And How to Win at Yoga, which was the uh, slight tongue-in-cheek version of, you know, yeah. doing the yoga poses for all the wrong reasons. Amazing. Right. I think we'll call it a day. It's been wonderful to thank chat. Thank you so much, Marcus. You just stay there for a little second because we'll chat after this. But thanks for being here. Honestly, I'm balanced.